while we were doing some Christmas shopping over, uh, was it post-Christmas shopping? Anybody do any post-Christmas shopping? You got to take back the things and you get the so-called big bargains, big deals, you know? Um, we were at Kohl's and, and uh, doing some shopping and while I was there I saw something I had never noticed before. Uh, we were taking all of our stuff across, the shirt and tie included, across the thing and, uh, you know, putting it, putting it on the thing and this guy was running our stuff across, the cashier, and and uh, I noticed his name tag, and I never really looked at the name tags before. I normally do that. I'll look at somebody's name tag, and I'll call them by their name just for the fun of it. And they look at you like, who are you calling me by my name? But uh, this particular instance, I just I hadn't done it in a while. And I looked up, and I saw his name. And, and uh, right after it, it said, Coles. It said, expect great things. Coles. And I began to examine myself. Cha-ching. Cha-ching, cha-ching, and I'm sitting here looking at it with every beep, watching the price go up, you know. And then they try to convince you that you had great things, because when they hand you your receipt, look, you saved so much money today with Kohl's. Thanks for shopping with us. Anybody ever shop at Kohl's? You ever notice that? Always at the bottom, they tell you how much you saved. But then why did it still cost me $350? You know what I'm saying? I saved $400. Good grief. You mean this would have cost me $750? It's a lie. Expect great things. I guess in one sense, you know, maybe I did find some great things. I, I got some good deals, you know, if you look at it that way. If you're really materialistic and you put greatness in good deals, I guess I got a few good deals. Uh, but, but really, the truth of the matter, you usually walk away from those things thinking, was that a lie or truth? And we all know it's a marketing ploy. I mean, we all know that. Just to get you to have a high expectation so that you come through the door. And once you're in, man, they got you. They got you. Find some shirts that are on sale that look really nice, and then the ones you really like aren't on sale. I mean, can I get an amen for that one? It's just the way it is. It's like, well, I can afford it. I got this one on sale. I'll get, you know, buy two, get one half off. And it's like, that's not really that good of a deal. Marketing employees, it's just like, just like the cards. You know what I'm saying? Those little, those little cards that they give you for Christmas, you know, um, you take them, but they, they know that you're not going to spend them. They know that you're either going to lose them they're gambling. These, these companies are saying, okay, we'll give you gift cards, gift cards. It's, they've got to spend it in our store, and if they lose it, we're ahead. You don't, okay, have you ever had one to Subway? Have you ever had one go to Subway down here and work? Ever? Ever. If you have, you're doing a whole lot better than I am. I had a $10 one April 1 at school or something, I a $10 gift card to Subway, and Stephen was intern, and he remembers, he knows exactly what I'm getting ready to say. We look at each other, say $5 footlongs, $10 gift card, let's do it. You know, and it's over $5 each, it's not $10, we know that. So we go over there and we think, okay, well we're going to get two sandwiches, a couple of drinks for, you know, maybe going to cost us three bucks. We get there, we get our sandwiches, lady runs the card, and she tells us it's like nine, ten, nine, ten bucks. I said, whoa, 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 sweetheart, wait a second. Let's back up and do the math. Two $5 footlongs, a $10 gift card, and you're going to charge me $10 more? Well, that's what it says. I said, I don't care what it says, it ain't right. Simple elementary school math to tell you that ain't right. And I was very nice, wasn't I, Stephen? Stephen was there. We were smiling. And the girl got really defensive. She's like, well, I don't know what to do. And I, don't... I said, you know what? And there was a line for him, and people were like, we're all starving. And, and so I said, you know what? I said, here's the money. We're done. And I walked out of there with two sandwiches that cost me like 19 bucks. 
You tell I, I, Subway made out. Let's just say my great expectations were somewhat of a letdown. Somewhat. And since then, I haven't got a Subway card. Matter of fact, we did the gift card gift exchange at my mom and dad's. Honey, did we get that Subway card end up with it? I know it wasn't go good. It was in her hand once. And she had a Subway card and something else. I said, get rid of that thing because they don't work. They don't work. We have to go to Subway in Danville or something because they don't work in Covington. So we always have these great expectations. And, and you say, why are you talking about that? Well, obviously, it's a new year. And with a new year, we always have some great expectation for what's going to happen. You know, what's God going to do this year? Uh, you know, and pastors have a tendency to get up behind the pulpit and the first sermon of the new year start making great promises. Oh, this year, first assembly of God in Covington, the fire is going to fall and, and we're going to empty every other church in town. They're all going to be here, which that's not our goal. And we're going to we're going to take over the world. And I, I don't know. I mean, some crazy things. And, and, and I'm not going to get up here today and do that. I'm not going to create something. I'm not going to get up here and tell you that, that, that God's going to you know, triple our capacity by 2012. That's not my goal because a lot of times you know, you'll hear something, a big promise, and then, and then December uh, 2011 will roll around and we'll look back and say, do you think Pastor Bob really heard from God on this one? Didn't happen. I will not do that. As your pastor, I will not stand up here today and tell you that uh, some kind of a specific thing that's got, that God's going to do, but I will heighten your expectation. I will not zero in on what God's going to do specifically, but I will tell you this, God's got a plan and He's going to do it. God's got promises given, and he, he has promised you as individuals, He's promised me as a pastor, He's promised this church corporately a lot of great promises, tremendous promises, that we look back and we think, well, what's God doing? How's come God didn't do this? How's come God didn't do that? He's promised this loved one would get saved. God promised this in His Word and it didn't happen in 2010. Does that mean we give up hope? No. I want to encourage you this morning that God has made promises and His promises are constant. When He has made it, it's finished. It's done. Now the timing is a different ballgame. The timing is something different. And anytime we start talking about promises, you've got to go look at Abraham. Turn to Genesis chapter 15 with me. I want us to begin our new year as a church with an attitude of great expectations. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want preconceived notions, okay? There's a difference between preconceived notions and great expectations. Is there a difference there? A preconceived notion is a specific. A preconceived notion is looking toward one thing and saying, well, if this doesn't happen, then God didn't move and missing everything else around us. But a great expectation of saying God is God and I'm man and I'm going to serve him and follow him and watch and see what he does is an individual that look back and can find something that God moved in their lives. Amen. I would, I would venture to say that God is a good God and that if each of us looked back through 2010 we're going to find high points. We're going to find low points, whether it be individually or corporately. And, and the truth of the matter is, is, if we look hard enough, we're going to see where God was moving. It may not have been the promise that we've heard. It may not have been the promise that we've hoped for. But I can guarantee you, as your pastor standing right here today, I'm real. Come pinch me, touch me, whatever. I promise you that the truth of the matter is, is that it may not have come into fulfillment right now, but God is working it out. You don't sound so sure of yourselves. Hopefully by the time we're done this morning or done over the next four to five weeks talking about some of these things, hopefully I get a little louder amen from that. 
God is working it out. He's got a plan, church. We just talked about it. Do we have to go back and do December's messages again? The activity of God? He's working. He's flowing. He's moving. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15. Just to catch us up here, uh, back in chapter 12, Abram was promised of God saying, hey, look, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you this land. Leave where you're at and go to the land I will show you. This is your promise, your inheritance. And, And all of a sudden he leaves and goes. He fights with some kings, has some battles and victories. He's 75 years old. Or young, however you want to look at it. I don't want to insult anybody. 75 years young. How's that sound? Anyway, never mind. You guys are a lot harder crowd than the early service. (laughs) Usually it's the other way around. Maybe I was more awake in the first service. I don't know. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Isn't it good to see the nature of God? And you say, why would you say that out of this? Well, I just said Abram fought some victories, has got some battles and different, faced some conflict. He had received a promise, went through a trial, and now here he is looking at God, asking him questions. But I just want to encourage you that in 2011, no matter what you face, God is going to show up. He is, the first thing he says is, he says, fear not. Anytime you start a new year, anytime you go into something new, it says, fear not, Abram. You know, with with the great expectation of something big happening, anytime there's the unknown, there's always an element of fear, true or false. I felt that way when we got on on the Diamondback roller coaster at Kings Island this summer. It was the great unknown to me. I I looked at it with excitement and anticipation, going, do I want to? Do I not want to? Do I want... And and let me just say, I wrote it many, many times afterwards. Great expectation. But there was a fear there. But Jesus says, listen. God says, through him, it's the same thing. He says, listen, my shield. I am your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. Listen, whatever we're going to face this year, whatever you as individuals or this church faces in 2011, we can be sure of this promise that He is our shield. And we don't need to fear. We don't have anything to fear. We don't have to fear the economy. We don't have to fear uh, war. We don't have to fear anything. But listen, yeah, we may have some hard times. We may face some hard things. But He says, don't fear. I am your shield. And you say, what, what's the big deal? We'll get to that in just a few minutes as to why he shouldn't fear and why he should be understanding that he's a shield. But we have to know and understand first that God is going to show up. He's going to encourage us. And you say, what's the big deal? We've got to grasp this today because I've already said we've, we've had many things spoken over our lives. Many of us have had God speak to us. We've had people prophesy to us. We've had, as a church body corporately, a lot of things said a lot of things that we would look at and expect and we look at year after year after year and we think, well, why isn't God doing it? I want to encourage you this morning that now is the time where God wants to remind us that He's still working. He's still working. You see, Abram looked and he said, but Lord, but Lord, you've given me no seed to make this happen. You've done nothing for me to make this happen. Here we are, it's been this time, you've promised me and now I'm just sitting here and there's no seed. There's no promise of that inheritance. Listen, It's easy to go years and years and years and years without seeing that promise come into fruition. 
It's easy for us to go through, but I can tell you this, that God has got promises for us. He's got plans for us. He's not going to give up. He's not going to do uh, you know, just some other thing. He's going to do His will through us. He looked at Abram. Abram says, Lord, what are you going to do? You've not given me a seed. You know, I'm, I'm childless. What am I supposed to do? In other words, he says, you promised me these things. You've given me great promises. Now here I am in this circumstance, in this situation that's impossible. I have no kid. I am a laughing stock to everybody around me. This generation of people tell me that if I have no child, then I'm not blessed of God. And you're telling me that you're going to make me a great nation, and what it looks like is, is you're going to snuff my name out from the face of the earth. I'm 75 years old. God, this is impossible. Can I tell you and encourage you with something this morning? That a promise from God is like a seed, it's in the ground. It may lay dormant for a while. It may have to die. It may have to go through some things, but I'm going to tell you what it's going to do. It's going to take root, and eventually it's going to break through that crust. And with a seed, there's always great expectations. Anytime a farmer puts seed in the ground, he's planning on and expecting uh, you know, ear corn to come onto a stalk. He's expecting beans to grow. He's expecting wheat to grow. He's expecting oats. Whatever it is that he's growing, there's an expectation. And I want to encourage you that we are no different. That if God has placed a seed of a promise within us, that we can expect that he's going to do it. We don't need to wait for the seed to go into the ground and die and think, oh Lord, oh no, it's gone. It's never going to happen. Look, it's hopeless. It's this, it's that. God has said it. It's there. It may not be raining right now for it to grow, but bless God, it's going to. It will grow. It will grow. Think about this. A lot of the promises that God has given have taken a long time for them to happen. Abraham still hasn't seen the fullness of his promise. Think about that. You want to see, know when he's going to see the fullness of that promise? He's going to see it, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen to these. Approximately 4,000 years approximately 4,000 years from the time that Jesus was promised to Adam and Eve to the time he walked this earth. Does that mean the Messiah wasn't going to come? Do you think about this? What about the blessed hope? What about the return of Christ? What about the return of Christ? Look at the waiting in 2 Peter 3.3. 3, it says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. People backing off and saying, Look, and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm here to tell you someday the trumpet's going to blow and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Are you sure that Christ is going to return and take His church to be with Him? Are you sure about that? Then you can be just as sure of the promises He's spoken to your heart. Is it wrong? Is it wrong for us to be hopeful? Pastor Bob, but there's really no way. I mean, we're, listen, I'm not sitting up here and saying our church is going to be the biggest church in the assemblies of God. I'm not going to say that. It's impossible. Look, look, at our, look at our people. Look at our population around us. God would have to bring in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people for that to happen. It's, not, it's probably not going to happen. I'm not going to limit God, but it's probably not going to happen. But we can be a solid church. We can be a church that disciples and trains and sees the miraculous. Amen? We can do that. God's promises are definite, but in His timing. Some would like to treat God like He's a man and say, oh, but God's, God's slow. He's not going to do this. He's not doing that. He's not doing this. Listen, God's promises are not for our immediate consumption. Okay? We love McDonald's. We love White Castle. We love all these different things where you can pull... What, you don't love White Castle? 
I asked Tim if he wanted some on the way home last night. He said, no. <laughs> I said, good, because if I ate two of them, I wouldn't be able to sleep from the heartburn and the gas from all. It would have been awful. It tastes good going down, though. I don't know. They're just slimy, nasty little burgers. Rat meat, something like that. I don't know. But it's, immediate consumption is not good for us. God's got a plan. He's got a process. He's got to take us through. We don't understand why he made Abraham wait till he's 75 years old. We don't understand and get all of it. But I do know this, that when you look at things like sex before marriage, if you, would, you look at sex after marriage, there's a waiting process that we're asked to wait on. And when you wait, there's a blessing. Amen? And it's not good for us just to go out and, and uh, fast food's not good for us. If you wait for it to grow out of the ground, then eat it. You're probably a little better off. Amen? God's plans for us are not for our immediate consumption, but they will come. It's like a good seed to be planted. Abraham's promise was greater than a son or descendants or nations, but the promise was right before him. He said, fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Exceeding great. Exceeding great. You know what that tells me? If Abraham's looking, he said, but Lord, I want a son, which obviously is necessary if you're going to have, be a father of something, right? You've got to have a son. He said, listen, Abraham, what is for you is bigger than a child. It's bigger than even being a king of many nations. I, I am your exceeding great reward. I am. And what that tells me this morning, this church is this. If we will place Christ in his rightful place in 2011, he is our exceeding great reward. Don't look for the specifics. Don't look for just the, the great outpouring. Oh, it's got to look like this. We've got to have people saved and healed, just overflowing out of these walls and doors. Listen, I'll thank God for the one salvation just as much as I'll thank God for the hundred salvations. All I know is people are coming into the kingdom of God. And He's working His will. If we start looking for specifics alone, we miss the plan of God. And God's saying, listen, Abraham, I'll give you a son. You're asking for a son, but I... I am your exceeding great reward. That means whatever you look at and think as great, whatever you and I look at and think, I was at the Colts game last, it was pretty great. I like that. The bad thing is they got beat right in front of me. Kicked the field goal right in front of me. But I didn't care. Because I was like, we're, oh, we just got beat. Look at that, isn't that amazing? We're here. As great as that was, as much as I loved, as much as I can say now, look, I watched Peyton Manning play in a playoff game and lose, but I saw it. As much as I can say that now, the, the thing is this, isn't the greatness and compared to Christ, that is so stupid. Nothing. Nothing. We people, we look for things, what we think are going to be great. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, this is going to be great. And God says, listen, I am your exceeding great reward. Above and beyond anything you can ever dream or imagine. You think you can have the greatest blessings here on earth? You can have the greatest things here that you can ever dream or imagine? It's nothing. It pales in comparison to eternity. And someday, even then in eternity, you're still not even going to be able to grasp all of it. You're going to take eternity time frame of watching and learning and growing and growing and growing and I'm going to reveal myself to you more and more and more. Trust me, it's greater than that momentary thing that you're about to indulge in. It's greater than that momentary thing that you think is wonderful. It's greater than a million dollars. It's greater than all the I wishes in the world. Trust 
trust me, I am your exceeding great reward. And if our church will hold on to Christ as our exceeding great reward, I will not let go of Him. I will not back away from Him. I don't care what the new thing is. I don't care what people say I have to do. I'm going to hold on to Christ. I'm going to exalt Christ in my home. I'm going to exalt Christ in my workplace. I'm going to exalt Christ in my my school. I'm going to exalt Christ in my community. I'm going to exalt Christ at the soccer field. I'm going to exalt Christ at the baseball diamond. I'm going to exalt Christ wherever I'm at. And I'm going to tell you this, church, if we will do that, we will reap a harvest. The promise will come. Why? Because He is our exceeding great reward, not an outpouring. What did you just say, Pastor Bob? He is our exceeding great reward, not the outpouring. But if we make Him our exceeding great reward, the outpouring will come. But if we look for the outpouring alone and we don't look for Christ, then we have a problem. We have idolatry. Don't you just love it? Secondly, Genesis chapter 15. We can be sure that God's promises always accompany the miraculous. Don't be afraid, church. The miraculous will come. Genesis 15, 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. God eased Abraham's confusion by clearing up some of the promise to him. Basically, he said, You will have a descendant. You will have a son that will come from you, and the promise will come through him. We already know that God tested his love for his son over the love for God. We know that, right? We'll be talking about that in the weeks to come. But God said, listen, you can love the promise and you can, you can, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the promise. I'm also going to give you the desires of your heart, but don't make that desire of your heart greater than me. We're grabbing that for a second. Let it sink in. Sponge it, sponge it, sponge it. The things of God cannot be greater than God, church. Whatever it is you look for, for God to do in your life cannot be greater than Him. It's true. It's very true. And listen, Abraham hadn't seen it all. He still hadn't seen it come into fruition. It's going to come into fruition. It's going to happen someday. It says, number the stars if you think you can. Try it, Abraham. I'm going to give you that. And some people say, well, God hadn't given it. Read in the book of Revelation. It says there's a multitude of people that cannot be numbered. Abraham, that day, when we're there, that day, Abraham's going to go, it happened. (laughs) It happened. God fulfilled his promises. He's going to fulfill his promise. He's going to do it through the miraculous way. He looked at Abraham and he said, look, I know you're old. I know you're too old to have a kid. That's why I waited as long as I did. You want a kid? I know you want a kid. I've known you wanted a kid for a long time. I know you're getting sick of the ridicule, but I got a bigger plan for you. And I'm going to give you something miraculously that nobody can question. I'm going to give you something that nobody else can look at and say, science can't explain this one away. It's impossible. And he said, you want something from me, I'm going to give it to you. I'll tell you what he did. He tried to push it. And we may talk about this in weeks to come too. Ishmael. We all know about Ishmael, right? Abraham said, okay, I'll do it my own way. And he created something that's still a thorn in the side of the Jews right now in the Middle East. It still is. Some people say, what a racist statement, Pastor. But I read your Bible. I don't care. I'm not politically correct. Get over it. <laughs> the, the thing is, is when we force the issue, we get in trouble. I tell you what we will not do here. We're not going to create a move of God in 2011. We're not going to come out here and say, okay, everybody start laughing. Ha, 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 
And then everybody laughs and say, it's the way the Holy Spirit's moving now. The first assembly of God in Covington is not going to create some new way of the Spirit of God moving to bring in the crowds. I can tell you that, and I will say that from this pulpit. I will make you that promise, because I'll shut it down. Because what happens is, it only brings destruction. And ever, we can't force the promise of God by some kind of activity. We can't force it, but we can obey and serve and follow God throughout 2011, and He's going to continue to work, and in His time, it's going to happen. It will happen, and it will happen miraculously. <laughs> oh, can you feel that? Can you feel that? It's, it's going to happen miraculously. In other words, it's not going to be by the hand of man. Man will be involved. When, when, uh, when Ishmael, when, when uh, Isaac, what is Isaac, right? Isaac was conceived. Man was involved. God did the miracle. Okay? God did the miracle. There's this interjoining, this interweaving of the obedience of man walking in the faith of God's promise and the miraculous working it out. I am not going to get ahead of God. So Pastor Bob, you may be here 20, 30 years. You may be here 5, 2, 3, yeah. And you know what? If God never brings us into any of those promises in that time frame, He's still faithful and He's still good. <laughs> I'm just going to be faithful. And that's what we need to be. Some people say, well, why? You know, we lack everything and we're this and we're that. We're just little Covington and we're this and blah, 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 blah. Listen to me. If God can look at Jerusalem through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ can look at Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37 and say, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them, which are sin unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, and you would not. If he can look at Israel... And prophesy to them through Jeremiah that they're going to go into bondage and then turn around in Jeremiah 29, 11 and say, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What do you think he's going to do for a church that desires to seek and to exalt and to obey and to follow Jesus Christ? It's pretty simple. Even a rebellious nation that he had given the promise to, a rebellious nation that he had planted the seed of the promise in, and turned away and did their own thing and, and ran from him, he says, listen, I still want to gather you up like little tricks. I love you so much. He says, yeah, I, want to, I, just, I, I, I have great plans for you. <laughs> I'm sending you into bondage first, and then I've got great plans for you. God's got plans for us if we will seek Him. Even when we fail and we fall, He's got a desire. If we, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You tell me, is that miraculous? If God can, can, can heal this land, if He can forgive us of our sins, you tell me, is that miraculous? No, it may not have 35 people laying here on the floor shaking, but I tell you what it is, it's something eternal. It's eternal. It's a good thing. I, I don't mean to sound angry. Sometimes I get excited and people look at me like, is he mad? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? If you back up and read it, it's talking about your needs. Everything you have need. And you know what? Even an occasional want. Bless God. Pastor Bob, are you teaching prosperity doctrine? Yeah, a little bit. If we exalt Christ... That doesn't mean I drive down the road and say, that's my Cadillac right there, Lord. That's my Cadillac. Bless God, that's my Cadillac. And we, okay, get in it, drive it off, you're a thief. But if God wants us, 
He wants to bless his church. If he wants to bless an, an adulterous, rebellious nation, does he not, do you not think he wants to bless you as his child? He will. He will. It may not be the nicest thing in the world, but he's going to bless you. It might be Colts tickets. It was a good thing. I did not drink one of those beers that I passed down the aisle. Not one. Tim and I were the only two in the whole place that wasn't drunk when we left. I was scared driving. I told him, I said, we're taking a different route. I know a different route. We're going. And we did good. But everybody around us, they looked funny when they left. And they were talking funny. But Tim and I were okay. I didn't even realize, I, I can't believe I'm saying this publicly, but I, I even handed a guy a marijuana cigarette off the ground. I didn't realize that's what it was at first until I... I he dropped it. It was in a cigar thing, and, and uh, I thought it was a cigar. He dropped it. I picked it up. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to need that later. I handed it to him. And uh, he said, it's not a cigar. I said, it's a blunt, isn't it? You got a blunt in there, don't you? He said, hey, he knows what it is. I said, I'm a pastor. Tim said, we're going to have to repent before tomorrow. I said, I don't. He said, you're bad passing beer down the road. Now you're picking up a joint for a guy. I said, well, I don't know. Colts got beat. It was still fun. But God wants to bless us, amen? Not with beer and marijuana. But God is concerned about our daily lives and even our happiness. He wants us to be joyful. Is that not, is that not what He wants? Is that not part of the fruit of the Spirit, to be joyful? Is it? He wants that. Let's, let, i got to hurry up. I'm going long. Genesis 15. You say, how do I know? How do I know, Pastor Bob, that I can expect great things and God's not going to let me down? Let's, there's several verses here. Let's read them. Genesis 15, beginning in 7. And he said unto them, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety, everybody say surety, Surety. louder, surety, Surety. that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall, if I say shall, come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun, set, sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Ketamites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephames, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites, and any other ite you want to mention. That land, all of it. Yes, even the land that our nation keeps trying to give up in Israel. All of it. You say, you say, okay, Pastor Bob, what are, you, what are you trying to say with this? How can I be sure? How can First Assembly of God, the people and the church, same thing, corporately, personally, how do we know that we, in 2011, can walk in the promises, expecting the promises of God? 
I'll tell you the exact same thing that God said to Abraham. He said, go make a sacrifice. This sacrifice set up a covenant between God and Abram that is still established to this day. And it will come into full completion and fruition. It will happen. And we know that and we're just as confident as can be about it. We boast about it. We talk about the time when, when Jesus is going to reign through the millennial reign of Christ and that, that all of that area is going to be the kingdom of God and the world is going to be the kingdom. We've talked about it. We've talked about it over and over. We boast about it. And we know that that's going to happen. Can I tell you this, that we have an even a more sure promise today? You see, when, they, when he separated those animals and he put that half there and that half there and, and then God put him in a deep sleep and then after he woke up, a fire passed through him. God himself burned through, walked through that in agreement, saying basically, we walk through this together and let it be so the same thing to any of these, to us that's happened to the, these animals if this pledge, this covenant's been broken. Basically, that's what that means. God says, it will, it shall. Surety. It will, it shall. How much more of a promise do we have in the blood of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Our God did not come and walk through dead animals with us. He came and walked in flesh and spilled His blood on our behalf. You want to know whether or not God has got good plans for you? I would ask you this, if that seed of that promise has been placed in your life. Because if it has, it will grow. And just as he told Abraham, he said, he said, listen, this is such a surety, this is such a sure thing, I'm going to tell you this, that you tell your son, and you tell him to tell his sons, and for that son to tell his sons, that what's going to happen is, is they're all going to go into bondage. It's going to happen. There's going to be dark days. They're going to be in Egypt. But even through that, don't give up on the promise because it will come to pass. It will. They're going to go away. You tell them. Let them be aware of it. When they see it coming, so they're not afraid, they're not upset, and they're not giving up hope, let them see and understand that this is part of it. It's going to happen. They're going to go into bondage. But I will bring them out again, and I will give them substance. They'll come out with great substance. Listen, if this, is, this is me wrapping it up to you this morning very plainly. I'm not going to say God's going to give you greater substance in 2011, but I am going to tell you this, that in Christ Jesus, there's always a hope of coming out of this life with substance. You may have some of it in this life. He's going to bless you. He's going to give you all the things. You seek first the kingdom of God and all these things to be added to you. You're going to gain some substance there. But, but we're going to leave this place with some gold, some precious jewels. And you say, what's that? Gold, precious jewels going to heaven? My children. My family. You and me together, my friend. You tell me, first assembly of God won't leave this earth without some substance. We may be in dark places on this, this Egypt of, of America that we live in right now. We may be uh, kind of dark in this nation that serves many gods. But someday we're going to be called out of this place into some substance. <laughs> and they're going to beg us to leave. Just like the Jews did when they left Egypt. The exact same thing right now. Our America would love it if all of us, if all these churches were empty and we were just gone, they would love it. We don't pay enough taxes. They're going to try to get rid of that too, by the way. You say, what is the point in all of this, Pastor Bob? You've rambled now for 40 minutes. I didn't mean to ramble that long. I'm sorry. 
First Assembly of God in Covington, Indiana has had some seeds of promises placed in our lives. Will they be full-grown, sprouting and bearing fruit in 2011? I can't make you that promise. But I can promise you this. It will grow. God is going to rain on it. God is going to shine upon it. And bless God, one of these days we're going to pop through the top of that crust. We may be there now, I don't know. And God's going to begin to move in ways that we've never dreamed or imagined. We're going to see the miraculous church. Will it be in 2011? I don't know if it is, so be it. If not, we're still going to serve God. Well, he, is our, he is our exceeding great reward. All the other things are just added unto us. If we're faithful to God, He's going to be faithful to us. Amen? I want us to go into 2011 expecting something great. Not a preconceived notion of something great. Expecting the greatness of God, whatever He brings us. Because it's going to be good. You stand with me this morning.